Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raph. There's a lot going on. Oh, boy, you're back in New York. A lot going on. Yeah. This is an emergency broadcast. We're not doing <laughs> questions from our audience because everything is so crazy right now in the world of digital art that I, I really wanted to talk to you being uh, in fintech. And, uh, oh, boy. I mean, it, we're talking about NFTs and all that stuff, but this is what we had both been thinking about for 20 years. It's like, well, if we're going to live online, the art should happen there, and mm -hmm. we can have an emotional connection to files, and we can have an emotional connection to an experience online, and is that precious, or is it disposable mm -hmm. and ephemeral? And all these questions that seem to be at the heart of conceptual art, and all these, th and then what happens is like uh, deviant art uh, gets monetized, basically. <laughs> well, yeah, like, th this is such a big topic. I am so interested in it. You know, hype or not, um, it, it is a moment in, in time. There's a tipping point that occurred, like seemingly in the last 30 days. I mean, I know there's a lot leading into this. If it, you look it at it, reminds me a lot. It, it reminds me. There's a documentary called The Year. Punk broke. Yeah, and it's about Nirvana and Sonic Youth on tour, and it, you know, punk was really big in in 1977 with the Sex Pistols. It was supposedly number one on the charts, but the song wasn't even allowed, so it couldn't be. But after mm -hmm. that, it went in a hiatus for a long time, and it was just uh, people who loved it, but there's no money, so that's kind of a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And so you have all these waves of punk and hardcore and metal and, and things being underground, and yep. On the surface, there's MTV, and you see Dire Straits or Motley Crue, and the record companies are happy, and this is what rock and roll is. And then all of a sudden, Nirvana comes up and makes everything else ridiculous. So hair metal was over. And, and this had just been percolating. And Yeah, I mean, there are I, I just see this right? analogy with, with, with uh, digital art where everybody's very resistant to commodification, and everybody's trying to be pure, and then all of a sudden, I, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, <clears throat> I've talked about um, building like an artist marketplace uh, for quite some time. I launched an experiment, several experiments, including one last year with a augmented reality sculpture platform. I chose not to build it on the blockchain, <laughs> even though <laughs> I, and I, I was like, hmm, should I do it on blockchain? But you could like, easily no, convert I, them, right? So actually, let's get this out of the way right, right, right off the top. So first of all, we're talking about NFTs today. And what does that stand for? It stands for non-fungible token. It also sounds way cooler as NFT or something, as NFT. And a non-fungible token is simply like most blockchain currency, like Bitcoin or Ethereum, the two top currencies, you can buy like 0.1 of one, right? But an NFT... Yeah, so, so it, 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 like regular blockchain units are divisible. You can buy half a blockchain or uh, half a Bitcoin or a tenth of a Bitcoin. Yeah. But this is like a concert ticket. You can't buy yeah. half a concert ticket. Like we're going to have to watch in, out. Yeah. Or you don't. Yeah. We're going to have to watch out during this podcast that we don't sound like two grandpas, but we're done. <laughs> well, we are. <laughs> we are. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I, 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 uh, I spent a summer with Billy Renenkamp, who was like, this was a few years ago, and he was so hardcore into Ether. Um, uh, he was at, he, at my wedding uh, where you so, were, uh, the, you married us, and he was there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. And he, he's a good he, friend. If, yeah. if we were to bring him on, I, I met guest, my wife uh, thanks to Billy. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Billy is like a, a great person from a he, like a friendliness standpoint, but also he he does bring people together and introduce people to each other. Anyway, I loved having him here in Toronto one summer. We went uh, to a virtual reality uh, arcade, which at the time that was the current hype. Um, but he was he was here for a crypto residency. But he he tried to explain things to me, and I was like, nah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but over yeah. time, a lot of these things have come to make. But sense. But in a so. sense, it it doesn't matter. It, I thought of. I remember when uh, Twitter came out, I thought it was stupid. And then a few years later, you get it. You weren't the first user, but who cares? And then Instagram came out, I thought it was stupid. And then a few years later, I enjoy it. So who cares? Yeah, I was just mentioning it because like early on, like years back, there are some people that were so hard into this concept uh, that, and specifically, let's get back to what an NFT is. It's something, it's an asset that exists on the blockchain that cannot be broken apart. But the one thing I want to state so everyone is clear is, you know, we're talking about, we're going to be talking about today, like trading artwork on the blockchain, but actually no artwork is physically traded. And and, and I mean that even in the sense of the files, Raph, like, so when you're buying uh, art on any of these chains, you're simply buying um, the record, similar to that of gallery with provenance. The re- the yeah. public record that you own it. So the, the actual well, images it, and yeah, videos are not. Let's, let's break it down in, in very visual terms. Yeah. So uh, for a while, there's been this concept of free ports where you store artworks in a tax free zone in a crate. You never take it out of the crate. So you have a Jeff Koons or a Garrett Richter painting or whatever. In the physical world. Yeah. And then you have a method of trading without transferring the object. So the same way gold is in a safe and you never take it out and you can use uh, tokens that represent that gold, but you're not actually bringing it in a briefcase to the supermarket. Um, And this all gets very weird and abstract because money is not tied to gold anymore and uh, and then blah, 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 blah. But (laughs) the, the, the thing is we've both been making digital art. So that... You know, we both started messing around with a computer, and I've always felt like the computer was the poor man's material, the poor person's material. It, you know, everybody has a laptop, even if it's a shitty old one, you can make animated GIF. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on an old Android phone, you can make net art, anything. Yeah. So I always felt like Can't you would look at paints, other... make digital art. Yeah, but, but you would go into a museum and see uh, a 10-foot sculpture, and it's like, well, I don't have the money to do that, mm-hmm. but I can make a GIF, mm-hmm. or I, I can make a tweet, or whatever. Yeah. And and then, as time goes by, and, and our eyes are spent more on our devices than in galleries, and, and your psyche is, is living in your device, and you're very emotionally attached to it, and that's your culture... And then there's this separation of IRL art and screen art and all this. And it, 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 it was like a the dam broke or something. Like it was a this amount of culture and, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, energy that w- was unmonetized. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, to your point, it's not like digital art is new because you can collect. Yeah. It. But but maybe what I was trying to say is that we both. Uh, started messing around on the computer, uh, playing with code, playing with graphic softwares, playing with editing. Yeah, more than 20 uh, Just years like now. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And and for me, uh, I had some files, and it's like, oh, what do I do with these? Should I make a website that has all of them, or should I put each in its own website? And then that idea sort of grew with a number of other people that you could put art in a domain name, and the domain name is like a, a early sort of clumsy version of an NFT. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, no, in so fact, it's a you, unique digital object. Before yeah. you go on, though, people do trade names on the on NFT names as NFT on the blockchain. Yeah. So, but uh, but you can, but what's yeah? What's weird is I always thought people trade domain names for millions of dollars. So why wouldn't they trade art digital artworks? And it never happened with my work. Uh, and you could say maybe the work was not good enough. But looking at NFT websites now, I don't even think that matters. Um. But it's also kind of clumsy transferring a domain name. And transferring an NFT is just like, it's like swiping left and right on Tinder. It's really fast. It's a good point. Why don't they make domains more transferable that way? I guess it's yeah, just it's older old. technology. Yeah. Well, also, it's, it's, a, it's very I, precious, so you don't want to lose it by accident. Well, I own like probably 50 or 60 domains now, which costs me a little bit of a fortune every year. But, yeah, you, um, own, you own one of mine. That you almost lost. <laughs> yes, I, I'm sorry. I had a hard time keeping track. So now they're on automatic yeah. renewal. But like when they're on manual renewal, it would like every week I'd be like, oh no, it's an emergency. Ten emails. Getting yeah. <laughs> emails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I know people. I mean, I'm sure you own more domains than I do. But when I, for a while, you know, when you find a domain, it's probably very similar. Like when I find a domain that hasn't been purchased, I get extremely excited because I'm like, oh yeah. my god, I, how yeah. can how can I can't well, believe it. That's the thing. When I heard about blockchain, and of course, I'm not an idiot. I heard about it a few years ago. And then I was like, it's cool. And I saw people making authentications for physical artworks in, in the digital. And I'm like, it's cool. But domain names, I still think there's a poetic side to them that uh, tokens don't have, that blockchain doesn't have. Because it's, it's a long string of code that no human can remember. And a domain name is just like, yeah, jeremybailey.com. And so I've, I still find that very beautiful but the one thing I, I do when I sell a website is I, I, I always made a contract with it I worked with a lawyer uh, to set up a contract to talk about the rights of exhibiting yep. and that it shouldn't be reproduced in the commercial way and yep. like but, like the idea is and you pioneered like making that public like I remember yeah and I want I, I thought this is a great format and but I think the one thing is that it, it, it was too complicated so but my point was that, that when I sell the website, I print out the contract, sign it, send it to the collector, and they have to send me back a copy, physical mm -hmm. piece of paper. And of course, Ether, all it is is that the, the smart contracts. So it's perfect for selling websites. So it does feel like from, from this moment on, I'll sell my websites with an NFT. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause, uh, so I mean, uh, unless the collector prefers a paper contract, it's, it's fine by me. But in general, it seems it's, it's so digitally native. It's not, I'm not compromising anything by this, attaching. An this NFT is like something it. I think we should bring up because it's like, um, like that, the website I just mentioned where I'm selling these augmented reality sculptures, UAR.shop, visit UAR. <laughs> <laughs> but on the, what we I just issue like a stamped PDF with the artist's signature and like the edition right size, and essentially, when I was doing when I was building the website, I was like, should I do this on the blockchain? Well, it's a lot of additional complexity for what is a pretty well known like like you don't really for to have an edition, you don't need blockchain. Editions have existed for centuries. No, but but it, so. I do think with with blockchain, uh, you can track. Indefinitely, you could track who is reselling the work, and you can put into the contract that the artist gets paid a percentage from resales. So yeah, so but all of that, by the way, still relies on um, partners or websites that are private. So one of the arguments for NFT and for for doing anything on the blockchain is it's a public record, right? Like you can go to what's called OpenSea, 
<clears throat> I'm sure people are, fam- or maybe people aren't familiar with that, right? It's like a, a website where it's like they they kind of aggregate the public record and they show you like anything on um, today's like. I'm gonna. This is a bit of a tangent, but I I lived in LA in 2004, yeah. and somebody offered me a side job. I just did it for a few days. And it was a private investigator, and I would have to go into libraries where they have all these microfilms with divorce records. So whenever someone goes through a divorce, their whole financial life is public. It's mm. it's recorded by the state. And I had to go into these microfilms and then print out divorce records of certain people. I think legally they weren't allowed to be there or some weird mm. loop. But I got paid quite a bit of money at the time for my age, and I would just go into a sort of library and ask for the records and print them. I can see that becoming yeah. an HBO Max series. <laughs> yeah. But it, <laughs> this is a similar, you, you're talking about a similar sort of thing yeah. where you, you go, there's there's a lot of public knowledge. Yeah, right? yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So it's just that it's like a library, like a publicly available ledger, right? Now, the one thing that people, I don't think, talk about nearly enough that put, that really worries me, Raph, is that so you have Foundation probably being the one that most of our friends or listeners are familiar with, right? Foundation.app. I only yeah. say that because like there's legit artists on it. And this is like, yeah, I'm going to sound like you mentioned deviant art earlier, but like Super Rare was one of the first popular kind of NFT minting uh, websites. But if you look through the artists on Super Rare, like I don't know about you, but I'm like, this definitely feels like deviant art to me. Um, but I actually recognize the artists on Foundation and they're some of them yeah, are it's, friends. Yeah, it's like, it, it's it's uh, our community. Yeah, like right now the, the top yeah. the top piece is a Zach Lieberman piece, right? Like, okay, yeah. great, like lovely Zach, uh, congrats! Like you're selling. Well, a and I, I want to break something down for people. Like, if if uh, an artist sells an NFT, I'm not sure what cut the foundation takes, but let's say fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had no production costs compared to making a physical work, making an exhibition. And if you sell a work for ten thousand in a gallery, often the the collector gets ten to twenty percent discount. Mm-hmm. Then there was the production cost, and there might be some sales tax that you have to deduct. So you might actually only be getting thirty five percent of the uh, retail price. Actually, and then yeah, uh, have you minted you know, anything so, yet? Though have you actually minted something? Because in the old days you had to pay gas, like Ethereum yeah. gas. I don't know if you still do or if like the platforms are picking that up. That's something I... I don't know, but I, I, I reckon it's not as much as like having a large sculpture made for 40000 bucks. Okay. And when I say gas, it's just that there's... Pro- like to verify anything on the blockchain requires yeah, computational crazy. power. Like one of the big elephants in the room here is like when you trade on the chain like there to to resolve the um to resolve the like the encryption or whatever or the resolve the provenance you actually there's like like there's graphics a lot of cards emissions. in china that are that are working yeah. you know over time yeah but it, the, how many times did you fly around the world to do a performance when or how much does a... That's true. I guess YouTube is carbon neutral. I just think you're, you're mentioning physical, that there's no physical cost, but there is actually a physical cost to the, the exchange. It's, it's no, 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 no. And I'm just speaking more from a, yeah. a first-person perspective of the artist. Like, okay, I have a show. I have to put up twenty, right. forty thousand bucks and maybe make it back. Right. Yeah. Like not a yeah. hundred bucks in Ethereum gas or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and... and um, I'm not sure the environmental calculus uh, with, you know, paintings are not good for the environment. Uh, flying around the world to do performance art is not good for the environment. So it, 
maybe we should just all kill ourselves. I don't know. But I bought an electric car. but i wanted to get back to the point on the the actual um artworks themselves are not stored on the blockchain and i i I think this is where i'm I'm concerned my concern is these platforms like foundation like super rare will go the way of electric objects and any myriad of or like any myriad of other Mm. platforms that have tried to emerge over the years to capture this quote-unquote billion-dollar or many-billion-dollar, trillion-dollar market in art. And what worries me is Well, you're saying capture. I think they're creating it. So I I think Mm. there's unmonetized creative energy. There are artists that need day jobs and have to do things they hate when they want to be making their art, and they're very talented. And so if you somehow create a mechanism for that to happen, I, I, I refuse well, yeah, to see a, that a, as a bad thing. I'm 100% thing. with you, and that, that, that's what I yeah. want to do, too. Like, that's what I wanted to do with my platform, and I'm planning another one right now. Um, oh, I just realized, I, like, I'm scrolling through Foundation, and Left Gallery has a piece on Foundation. <laughs> Harm von der Dorpel. Yeah, so, like, the yeah. Left Gallery, uh, Gallery started by Harm von der Dorpel that does sell artwork, digital artwork in crypt. Yeah, they were too early. They, they did it <laughs> but already, But now it's, like, like, 10 years ago. Gallery on another gallery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, that's, that's, that's like a gallery being on Instagram and then showing art, work of other artists. That's true. That's, that's not true. so crazy. It's not crazy, you're right. But it is, it, it, like, this could all be over in two weeks, and we'd be like, oh, never mind. Or this could be a tectonic shift where artists sell directly to their audience and, and galleries is just no longer necessary. Like, I don't think it's like another week. I think there's a couple years of this and then it'll be similar but, to like the gift. But th- th- think about it. When, whenever historically there's been, uh, and, like, and not historically, like the last 20, 30 years, the example is pets.com. That was like the sign of the, mm-hmm. the internet bubble, right? Mm-hmm. So... It, it, Pets.com was overvalued, and the internet bubble burst, and everything went bankrupt. But now you have Chewy.com, and it, they were just a little too early. It doesn't mean that selling yeah. items for your pets online is a bad idea. No, selling and digital so, art makes tons of sense. And one thing that there's yeah. a huge evolution that we should mention versus, like I mentioned, um, digital objects or some of these other platforms that have now you know gone away. And there's even actually a bunch of NFT art platforms that are gone that, that started to a few years too early. But one of the things that I think has evolved... Um, yeah, Friendster th- is gone too. It doesn't mean social media left. That's true. But I, one thing that yeah. I think is a great evolution, and, un- I, and I say great in terms of like creating value in, in a way that makes sense, and it's unfortunate, but it was always true with these other platforms where they would say like it was a subscription plan and you had 100% access to everything. It, it fundamentally ignored... The value of of like exclusivity inherent in collecting, yeah. Yeah. and I always said like, "Hey, who are you solving problems for?" There's like no one who can watch a thousand works anyway. They want one that belongs to them, right? Like, it was well. It's all trial and error. I think it, it, yeah, trying all these platforms is good. Like, yeah, so there someone had to try that, that model, and someone is trying this model, and yeah. but me, one one of the things uh, I, I'm interested in is the idea of uh, like. I, you know, I've been selling, uh, I've tried to sell, and since 2004, I've been selling websites. And the first question is, why would I buy a work if everyone can see it? Mm-hmm. And I said, it's a different feeling when it's yours, and uh, you see the work is popular and makes people happy, and people want to share it, yeah. and etc. Um, and the last 20 years, everyone always told me, oh, that's such a new idea. 
That's such a new idea. That's such a new idea. And now all of a sudden, my idea is very old. It's like, oh yeah, that's that NFT from the past. Good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even with my platform that I just did, like I made sure that every artwork was available for free with like a, at a lower resolution with a, with a wire. <coughs> and but I was modeling it after the success of stock photography yeah. and stock model yeah. libraries, which have existed for. Well, for decades, forever, you could go and buy the license to show a photo if you're an advertiser, right? And I was like, and what's interesting about that, and just before this call, I was like, this only makes sense to me if it's an addition of a, a small edition or edition of one, because you were sharing some stuff with larger editions. And the reason yeah. for that is in stock photography, you know, there's long been this uh, policy that like, okay, anyone can have a subscription to a stock photography thing where they can get like, um, they can get the same photo as someone else, right? And it's almost an unlimited edition model. However, if you want exclusive rights to that image, you can buy out the rights. Um, and buying out the rights costs a significant amount of money. So instead of 25 bucks, it can be like 10 grand, 25 grand. But then it, you, then that image belongs to you and it kind of becomes yeah. associated with your brand. Yeah. It has real but value. I, I, I think my natural instinct was always with, all my work, I make uniques. So I, the lenticulars are uniques. The tapestries are uniques. The haiku are uniques. The websites are uniques. Mm -hmm. And now I see this nifty gateway, and I think people see it more as sports betting. And it's it's interesting when a lot of people jump on a and wait, decide, wait. no, it's this horse or it's that horse. Yeah, describe this other. I wasn't familiar with this with nifty gateway, but can you describe it for our audience? Well, it, it, the first thing I saw was the the success of this three D artist uh, Beeple. I think Who, Mike like, Winkleman or something. And he sold at record, like on at, on Sotheby's or Christie's recently for like a record amount of money. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it's funny. First it, NFT the, the, was like the analogy with, with Nirvana is like nobody cared about mm -hmm. indie rock until it made money or whatever. Yeah. And the same with digital art. But um, what was I getting at? Okay. So, you, yeah, I, no, I was just, I'm, I'm curious what's. Oh, we're talking about Nifty Gateway. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a website that just drops files. They're usually either stills or movie files. So, uh, and then people bid on it, but it's usually an open edition for five minutes. And then the more people buy it up to 999 people, uh, the, the bigger the edition becomes. It's a drop and then kind it's, of thing, right? And then it's, yeah, and then it's closed, but it's kind of like sneaker collecting without having to ship a sneaker. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I was like, drops have been a thing, not just in, like sneaker culture, but it started to transcend art, right? There are the Jesus shoes from last year and things like that, like different um, different experiments in in sort of online merchandising, I would call it. Um, yeah. That create my hype. whole my whole thing with all this stuff was like I hate hype. I want to just turn off the machine and just calm down and just sit and you know. Yeah, well, that's the, this the, is the opposite. This is the thing yeah. where you said it was an emergency broadcast, and then that alone, like. For me, is the thing to be worried about because why is it an yeah. emergency? You know, for example, we could record the because it, we know it will collapse and then we want to get in. Well, that's your that's, that's what yeah. you're feeling, right? You're feeling yeah. you're feeling yeah. the same thing that you know in the 1600s or whatever in the Netherlands, your ancestors felt. Yeah, but I've heard this craze, tulip. Right? No, I've I've heard that I've heard the tulip craze argument many times over. Like Tesla <laughs> is a tulip craze, <laughs> Apple is a tulip craze. Well, Tesla crashed this week, so. Yeah, but it's a good product at least. And yeah, that's this true. this NFT is not a good product, but um, mm. I do we go, I do we think go into that. We should, I do we should think, talk about that. I think I think fundamentally we have to agree. Should culture online be free and 
abundant or sh- is it cool when it's restricted and precious? That's that's kind of and and I think uh, as an example, just as a as a maker, I've found that if I don't put my work in domain names, if if I just have a bunch of HTML files on my computer, they don't feel finished. Mm-hmm. So I think there is something to saying this is the real copy. It's unique. It has a location. And whether it's NFT or domain names or whatever system you invent, I think there's something about everybody has piles of files and then you decide which ones you care about. And I, I think that's... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the side effect is that then maybe makers can get paid directly and can share in the after profit and aftermarket and etc. And whether it's NFT or whether it's uh, watermarked uh, PDFs doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking across my room here, and there's like a print uh, in my living room uh, by an artist that I really admired when I started out, Daniel Barrow, Canadian artist. And um, it's a print. It's like a C print, basically. So it's like about 10 bucks to make from a from a production standpoint. The, the digital file that was sent to the printer um, is worthless like in that equation in so much, but it's worth something as soon as it hit paper. And he said like, this is a thing. And the, yeah, yeah. Kind but of. when it hit paper, that's like him that. minting, you know, in my, in no, my- I, I, I know from making lenticulars, like I've made lenticulars for a while and there started being technical issues and I just can't make them anymore. And so there was a window of technology mm. where I used the technology in a strange way and it existed and now I've tried in several places, and it, it might work again in a few years, but... Um, so you're referring almost to the artist gesture, like the breaststroke as a, as a moment in time. Like, it can't uh, be it, Like, a, there's a technological window, like it, um, holography, for example, mm-hmm. uh, what people often call holograms, but the proper term is holography. Uh, you can make digital holographs, but they're not as good as the chemical ones from the 70s. And those chemicals have gotten so expensive. The yeah. price of silver has gone up so much that it's almost impossible to make them. And I've seen a retrospective of, uh, I've seen several kinds of holographs uh, at the New Museum and at different galleries. They're very interesting. They just existed for a moment in time. And um, no, I think the same with this, right. this print you have, like it's yeah. a certain type of shitty printer. And in 10 years, all the printers will be better. And that will make that print special. Actually, you're not wrong. So in my lifetime, like we just did this little talk on my artwork, the U Museum, and originally I made the work for Google to for Google AdWords. So it took over Google's banners over 90% of the internet. But Google changed its terms and how it functions, and it's not possible for me to make, to produce that artwork on that platform yeah, anymore. It's a window, yeah. and so I had to do it on Facebook. And it's funny because the artwork itself also has like. Um, there's a purchasable component. Like if you click on the artwork, you can buy like a bag. Like there's these different products that are, that are tied to it. Very few people ever buy the products. And I've always been like really confused about that to a certain extent, because I'm like the artworks uh, successful enough that you know about it. People will say how excited they are about it, but the, and the artwork that you can buy, I sell them at cost. So they're like 20 bucks, 50 bucks. And so few sell. We, and, uh, we need to talk about your guilt a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. But I always find it interesting because I'm like, I'm probably like, because I only bring the work back similar to the Disney vault. You know how Disney like will yeah. did that thing yeah. where only movies were available at certain times. I've only done it like two or three times. So the, the, it's not continuously available. 
and um yeah, I don't know. Like r- scarcity is an interesting conversation, but like well, at some point, I'm not going to be able to produce these things. And there's only there's probably yeah. only about fifty of them in existence. One um, of one thing that came to mind was uh, similar to the. It, there's a thing in in uh, punk and punk rock that if you make money, you've sold out. It's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't see a punk band starting an energy drink, and a pop pop star can do that. It's fine. Yeah. And it's cool. And like, good for you. You and your children will have lots of money and you have a secure future. And there's something in punk rock where money is suspicious. And I feel net art is very similar. And I wonder often if that's sort of based on an insecurity, like not wanting to fail in public. It's be like, whatever, I'm a commercial failure and I'm even going to try to be a commercial failure because I don't want to be measured. I don't want to be next to other people in an auction and then the shame that my work is not popular and et cetera. I, I think the net art community has been, it, it's a lot of personalities that subconsciously maybe want to fail, like, oh, look, the work didn't sell because it's so complicated. Um, and that now that there might be a vehicle of selling it easily, mm. they're like, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. But I think you're making a really good point, which is that the confluence of like um, an, an audience that wants to consume and artists that, are, that want to produce for consumption does exist on these platforms and the merchandising like i do think that foundation's done a beautiful job of presenting the marketplace right like and making it feel secure and the the thing the fundamental thing we haven't talked about which is sort of the cliched thing to talk about is like the exchange of value relies on the belief that value has been created that you know that it's worth consuming right and so a lot of the effort has to go actually into creating trust but i think the trust thing you're like you went to the foundation website and you're like, oh, this appeals to me. Uh, I, I trust the aesthetic. I trust yeah, the, like the names of the people. I know them. And that, that the trust is in the creative. And I also think that a lot of this deviant art has been so pushed out by high culture mm-hmm. that uh, the, the dam is breaking because they were never let in. And they're like, well, I like a whole different type of art than they're showing at the new museum and I'm not allowed in the new museum. And why can't I have a platform? Well, the, the, when it really stood out to me, because for years people have been like, how come the tech world with all this yeah. money is why not, are they bu- not collecting? Why are they not collecting? And then yeah. a, someone I know who's a founder of a fintech here in Toronto showed up on my Twitter feed from foundation. Like so-and-so has just purchased like a Zach Lieberman piece for, and it was like six grand or something. And I was like, Oh my God! Like this is and it's a motion study. It's someone I know from tech. Like it was worlds colliding moment. And when those worlds collide, I was like, "It's happening," you know. And that might be the panic, which is like we only have this one shot to convince people. (laughs) Well, there is there is an argument. uh, uh, I don't know how much of it is true, but someone told me Japan in the seventies and eighties was very prosperous, similar to China right now, having a moment Mm -hmm. of, of, of of high growth. They were. They were the China of the 70s and 80s. They were making all the goods for the whole world, and they had Sony and the Walkman and all that stuff. Uh, so rich people all of a sudden are like, well, what do we do with this money? We should buy art. And then they bought Van Gogh and other famous paintings for way too high of a price at auction. Mm-hmm. It was all inflated. And then that market collapsed. And ever since, the rich people in Japan have not been collecting as much as collectors in Germany or the U.S. or the U.K., Mm-hmm. When it is an economic force, but they don't trust art, they, they've been hurt 
And so they they didn't support their own artists. They bought Western artists, which was a mistake. Like you should buy artists from your own community so you're in early and you help grow instead of buying Van Gogh 200 years after he's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what you need to be is like Eli Broad walks into Cindy Sherman's studio and buys one work every year her whole career. Like that that's that's the ideal. Yeah, but I, I and, yeah, and, and, and and what I'm saying is if if the digital art community collapses, it might be afterwards that all the fintech people are like, ah, you know what, I'm just gonna collect antiques because uh, all this these tokens it's uh, not gonna go anywhere. But actually you're making a really important point, or I'm gonna try and make a point, which is that Time scale does matter to collecting art. And I'll point out that outside of art, NFT exists. So the most successful commercial example is run by the NBA. It's called Top Shot. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but you can like buy and sell like different like moments. And they're just video clips of like people making blocked shots or, or, or a big three point or slam dunk. Legendary moments. Legendary yeah. moments. Yeah. And then there are these like yeah. card packs, but they basically took the trading card business and they put it online. And as soon as you see this, if you're a gamer, you're going to be like, Oh, wait a second. I've played, I've also played NBA games where there is marketplaces where I'm trading players and like, I'm getting special shoes and digital artifacts and stuff like that. So I, I say this though, because those economies are limited period time economies. So if you, if you if like outside of top shop, like NBA 2k 20, which is another game, video game that's cross-platform but on all the platforms there is like a virtual currency built into that game Um, and people do buy and sell and you might remember from a few years ago second life people were buying and selling property in these digital landscapes too right and but but it's time boxed in that for nba 2k it's for everyone that's in there knows it's just for a year and at the end of the year the new version of the game is going to come out and their currency is going to be worthless right Mm -hmm. and I, I my biggest fear is that like all of these 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 apps are are going to be time bound in so much well, as like because eventually well, the market's one gonna, of the things yeah. one of the things I would reply is that uh, let's say I sell a website with a token yeah and let's say in five years there's a better technology than blockchain that's not as energy inefficient yeah well why not then convert the nft to whatever that new more efficient format is but the the work itself the video file or the website it or still whatever has value. it is and and the thing that i've noticed we all think digital things disappear and that they're uh, fragile mm-hmm. and they're actually stronger and more resilient like i have more physical works that got damaged and that had to be remade or that are just damaged and can't be repaired mm-hmm. And all my websites, a lot of them were in Flash, and we recoded them to HTML5, mm-hmm. and they work on mobile. They're fine. Um, and, you know, they they can't get scratched. They can't get water damaged. They can't get fungus like real trading cards. No, no I think yeah, I think you're making a good point. And I I I think it's a non-problem. The same way you can you can convert a music catalog to the next platform, and then uh, etc. Yeah, and I think if we think about time horizons instead as like this is just um we figured out maybe like the merchandising function and when i say that from i i mean it from a disintermediation standpoint so all of what we've discussed has existed for thousands of years it's just that the people that were controlling the ledger were certain galleries and certain like 
institutions that created the that's you know, that's a good point it, it, one of the fundamental points that's very interesting to me is that at its heart no one knows what art is and no one knows what good art is mm-hmm. no one so except you and, except there's you been me. people people ask exa- all exactly <laughs> trust me trust me i know no but but so the whole game of art is also to piss people off so like in in the sixties or in the fifties, and you you buy a Rothko or a Jackson Pollock, and like, oh, that's just like, that's an ape touching the canvas. That's not a human. That's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm, like, true. Uh, and then the the jokes on you is like, well, I I see what's in it, and you don't, and that makes me even more elitist and cool, and and mm-hmm. uh, it, and so the same thing where we're like, well, wow, that's a really ugly meme image, and it's worthless, and they're like, uh. I'm way deeper in this gamer culture, and you don't know. And yeah, you don't. So you don't get it. Yeah, yeah, you don't get it. And and to us, it's like, oh, that looks like my kid made it. But that's been the argument against every change in art history. It's like, but it oh, really is reliant. It is reliant on belief and on belief over time. And I, I so I yeah. think that yeah. if the belief can be maintained over time, it doesn't matter whether it's foundation but or super. But when rare. you think of the history of memes, I don't think. Many of them have disappeared. Like we remember the the significant ones, like, mm-hmm. but they're but they're they're uh, free and ex- exchangeable by definition, right? Like that's what a meme. Yeah, is. yeah. But the 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 most successful project on the foundation was the Nyan Cat. That that was a meme. The GIF it sold for six hundred fifty thousand or something, which actually seems yeah, like a good yeah. deal now that I think about it, because it's such a classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's. This is what I mean. Like, are we attached? Uh, are we emotionally attached to certain cultural expressions that are digitally native? Well, I can't help. And, and, but, I can't help but think of trademark law and um, patent law when I when I think of this because, like, for example, I just finished spending probably twenty or thirty thousand um, dollars trademarking a new logo for my company, right? Um, and I had to do so in every region in the world and I had to hire lawyers and and then there was debate like can we actually get away with you know patenting certain shapes or sorry trademarking certain shapes um and at the end of the day it it, it, it I it's worth spending that money because I believe in the value that the brand has if we can hold on to it consistently over time um and I think that Probably everything will be fine to a certain extent. I actually don't think anything's going to change. So we're going to see this little blip. But like Zach Lieberman will be around in 10 years on or off of the chain, right? Well, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it, it, I feel this moment is very similar to when apps came out. And I, mm-hmm. I remember the mobile phone came, the iPhone came, everybody who touched it was sold. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is great. But there were no apps yet. And I thought, who wants apps? You can just visit web apps and you don't have to install anything you don't have to update anything it's way more convenient mm-hmm. so i didn't jump on the app thing early and in oh, the yeah. early days you could make a lot of money with really stupid ideas so like a virtual beer glass and oh, you, you hold up the iphone and and or the fart apps or whatever oh, what was that app that was like a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars it was just like yeah a gem yeah or something <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I and and now of course nobody downloads apps anymore except the big ones yeah uh, and and yeah. and so the, I, I do think there's a window for making money with silly, stupid stuff. Maybe maybe it's that's definitely, the, what we're definitely a window. Like, does anyone want to start a million dollar website today? No, like it's not going to get attention because um, it's not novel anymore. Remember, million million dollar website. So we're going to have like, technical cycles of of uh, stupidity. 
But do you remember a million dollar website where you could buy like the pixel million dollar like, homepage? Yeah, million yeah. dollar homepage. Yeah, that's what it was called. Sorry, but like you could buy like five pixels for. But that will definitely remain. Like that will be a, a historical. When you talk about like what is a website and and what is a presence in the digital, and then that's a good example. Mm. Mm. So yeah, so I mean, I still remembered it. So in some ways, I still believe in it. And if only I could get a few pixels on that site. <laughs> Boy, would I pay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but boy. but um, we we both agree that we love digital creation and we love the the democratic aspect of uh, it's accessible. Yeah. It's, it's uh, here's the bottom line for me, Raf. I think you said it earlier. People were forty percent of all collectors were shopping on Instagram. You know, five years ago, um, they're like whether it's physical or digital art, you cannot deny that everything's the, digital the, the, fu- the future Every, is everything whether is it's a physical yeah. thing everything's yeah. it, that's the thing i noticed it, one of the collectors told me like they have an album in their photos with their artworks mm-hmm. and they're at a dinner and they show it and then when they own a website they can show the actual work it's like oh i bought a website yeah. oh and it's the actual work and then you can shoot the url to your neighbor and they can see the actual and this is maybe one point i wanted to make is that internet platforms favor standardized file formats mm-hmm. and that's the one thing where it's kind of a bummer but you know it ends up being jpegs and movie files and, and GL- so it, G- we should mention gltfs as well which is the the 3d format that's like the equivalent of oh that, that's pop okay but i i just feel that again being a net artist and making websites it's a bit of a drag for most people if they just want to collect it they don't want to transfer a domain name and all that mm-hmm. shit so mm-hmm. they'd rather have an image yeah, I mean, a lot I don't of this, know. We'll we'll see how that that turns out. But. A lot of NFTs have links to assets other than what they present. So the the JPEG it yeah. reminds me that like galleries forever. It always made me cringe, and I'm sure it did. Well, maybe it didn't for you, but like the primary transaction document for galleries is the goddamn PDF with thumbnails, and like the tiny grainy PDFs. And even when you go into a gallery, sometimes printed on like a shitty yeah. inkjet printer, just like. I, I disagree out. a little bit with it because I do know a lot of people who love living with art. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, one collector is a good friend and he's really into collecting screens of a certain era. And then he has works on display at home, but he also has physical works. And then it's interesting to hang them next to each other and see what the light does. And then now let's put it no, in I a I think you're making room. an excellent point. Yeah. Like, There's no, yeah, and he loves having both the digital and physical. For for me personally, um, like for example, I own one of your websites. If I have people over, I I I will turn my television into that work. I always put that work. Oh, up. cool. Yeah. Um, and and I'm not. I don't think it's wrong to do that. I think like that's what you know when you think your work is transmutable across screens, right? So I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I can talk about it and people then understand, you know, my, my yeah. being. But I have paintings up as well. I, You know, one but, thing I think is going to yeah, happen. And, I d- oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, I just think that one thing that's going to happen, and if you look at the NBA example of um, their Top Shot stuff is, um, and it, I found this when I launched UAR, a few uh, collectors, actually I'll just mention them, Chris, you know, Chris Coleman, uh, a friend of mine bought a bunch of the works. I actually did sell a bunch. I sold a few thousand dollars um, worth of sculpture by myself and other artists. And I was shocked at that. But then the thing that was really surprising is some of the collectors 
and Chris in particular were like, hey, I want a way to showcase what I've collected. Like, how come there isn't like something where I can like bring up it's my It's not work? just showcase. It's, um, I think it's very similar to being an artist. You make all kinds of works, but you don't have room to store them all. So they go all across the world. Mm-hmm. And the dream is to have this retrospective moment where you get to see them all together yeah. and understand the works. And I, I notice now I'm... Uh, haven't been exhibiting so much because of the lockdown, not so many physical exhibitions. And you miss those moments where you can see all the works in a room next to each other. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. uh, my theory had been like uh, that I, in, in that particular website, I came up with this idea that there would be physical artifacts tied to the digital ones. So you could buy the, the these like physical rugs and they'd have a QR code that would yeah. trigger the virtual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the inspiration for that, which I'm still a believer in, I do think people will want a physical tied to a digital. And you still see this in like people who sell videos, they sell a thumb Well, the art world is expanding. The, the digital doesn't replace the physical. Yeah. It's, it's, it's other things on top of each other. Like the, the fact that, there are musical recordings didn't destroy live music or the LP or like record is still like vinyl records are still, you know, the collector's item. Yeah. I I was going to say that, um, have you, did you ever, uh, I don't know if you play, I keep bringing up video games, but I think video games have been experimenting with this for a long time because they've existed in a world where their value is both time bound and uh, material bound, but Nintendo, um, as a constraint, Nintendo came out with this concept of amiibos a few years ago, which were collectibles that were rare. Um, and it was like a little character that was printed, or not printed, I guess manufactured. Um, and it would hold like specific information about your what you'd earned as a character. And so you could upload your profile into this little character. And then when you went over to a friend's house, you could like seat the character on the console and your like character would come to life in the game with all of its skills and everything you'd earned. And it struck me as like such a brilliant concept, which is the idea that like if you have people are inherently nervous as we've been talking about this whole time in that the belief system might crumble at any moment. Like, oh my God, like, you know, maybe my gift's not worth anything to your point about um, website domains and everything, right? And so... What they had figured out that I still think is exciting is a way... Now, these things are worthless probably today, similar to Beanie Babies, but they'd figured out a way to sort of transcend the virtual doubt and make it physically um, valuable. Well, But just by being able to share it with others. That's The only point I want to make is like sharing it, being able to share it with other people is a fundamental component of this. Yeah, but my my argument maybe, or what we have to find out is... We can all agree that we spend a lot of time online, yeah. especially in a year of lockdown. It became even more severe. Yeah, people are eight to ten hours a and, day. Yeah, and then all the big companies are making a lot of money on attention. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Netflix or podcasts or whatever, and there's just a place for visual exploration that is free from narrative and maybe you call that art and you know some people call it kitsch and some people call it art and whatever but there's so much of it and it's so important in people's lives and we've been trying to find an economy around it and now that it's happening this might not be the way and it might be but it mm. it just feels that so much of it that something's got to give and uh yeah i i, I do think all the questions that were asked about art in the sixties with dematerialization, like the fluxes. they're becoming. Mm-hmm. It, well, it, it's funny. There, there was the um, the Provo movement in the sixties in the Netherlands, a, a bunch of sort of 
funny activists, political activists, and one of the plans they had was the white bicycle plan, they called it. And there were just these free bicycles around the city painted white, and you could grab one, ride it, and then someone else can grab it and ride it. And it didn't really take off. The bikes would break and et cetera. But it was the foundation for all those bike rental things that mm. every major city has now. Mm. So it does seem there are these these radical ideas that start out as a funny, uncommercial thing. And later you need the the money machine to make it more... Uh, well, no, I think you make a really have good it run point. For, yeah. yeah. I, I think of the Flexus... You know, we're specifically against the idea of the bourgeoisie running the art world. They weren't necessarily against the idea that artists should um, earn a living. Yeah, they were pro-experience. Experience Experience being the currency that they believed was of greatest value to them. So, like, spend you know, being having an experience was of great value. Happening was of the, the greatest value because to get people a thousand people together in a room all to like laugh out loud. Now, ha, ha, that, well, that was there's like, a utopian idea that, that we can get past scar- scarcity and survival and focus not on material things, but on yeah. experiences. And yeah. yeah. And I think that's been a big part of people are waiting for all these tech giants to start collecting art. And they're like, I don't want to hoard a lot of stuff and have a staff to take care of my collection and have all these headaches. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. you know, prior to the pandemic, though, all of the hype in the art world was around monetizing experiences. And we talked about that on previous podcasts. It's interesting that ju- that this has happened during the pandemic, actually, because yeah. Yeah. I don't and I think it has to have it has to be informed by it. Like, I don't I can't see how it's separable because in your point about we're online for eight or nine hours a day. I used to say to people, they'd be like, oh, yeah, IRL. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, that's really disingenuous or disrespectful to the fact yeah. that like yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of my experiences in this is not real online. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, how dare but it, you? It's, it's, it's stronger than that. It's even before this pandemic, you'd go to an opening and the work was not really your thing. Mm-hmm. And you look at your phone and there's way more interesting stuff on your phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I mean, it's one, one thing I want to, one thing I want to do besides all the economics and all this stuff is that I wanted to look at it formally a little bit. And so a big part of, making websites is that I didn't want to rely on any platform. So I didn't want to have constraints of a platform. I wanted to, whatever you can do in the browser, I want to be able to do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to operate and do a performance in Facebook because Facebook will change their layout and et cetera. So I, don't, I, I want it to be one layer above all those domain names. Mm-hmm. That's the idea of having works in your own. That's why you started your own company and all this stuff. Instagram, for example, it's just, it's great for photos it's pretty good for video, but it's really best for photos as as a as a like really where you something can shine and what works best. Mm-hmm. And you know, Twitter's great for text and for one-liners, and uh, and Tumblr had its own thing. And maybe what I'm trying to get at when I first saw NFT, I just didn't see any new visual dimension that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, I was a bit like. The transaction. The only reason I would use it is for money and no other reason. Not like I made a book that it's it's a a limited edition silk screen, and it's sold. But I don't. That's not the primary reason I made it. The primary reason is you can get very intense colors with silk screen that I can't get on any other medium. So I want to explore that. Yeah, that's the primary reason of making that book. Um, and then this when it's that's when it's just JPEGs and. 
I'm what I'm trying I'm to say you. is, what I'm trying to say is, as an artist, you're kind of like a super user. You don't have to play by the rules of Facebook, but you can make an installation, you can make things in a domain name, or you can yeah. do apps, or you can Absolutely. do. You have all this freedom, and then you go back into a tunnel that's very restricted, I, and there's I, rules. And I'm yeah. really, I'm 100 with you, and I'm, I, I have. This has always been my primary critique of companies that come out with like a new screen where they have a marketplace built on top. Yeah, of Yeah, like they could never market. play my stuff. They're like, no, we can't do JavaScript. It has to be video. Yeah, and I was always like, wait a second, like I'm not going to play by your rules. The whole reason I became an artist was to break the digital, rules. <laughs> and especially yeah, and in the digital, you're like, uh, we can we can be more than a media player. Yeah, and the other thing I think that cre creates value in the art world is the the narrative that in, the material narrative of the work, right? So like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not saying that can't that, exist in a JPEG. Well, yeah, I, no, no, but I, your point is valid that a lot of breakthroughs in art are when people use material in an unconventional way, mm -hmm. when they don't yeah, play by the rules, or context, so it, or something. Yeah. So, uh, but but I th I do think that NFT gives a lot more freedom than previous art platforms because I was worried at first, like, oh, the image has to be embeddable in a certain size and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But you can also make an NFT connected to a tweet or connected to a YouTube or connected to a meme. But it's just a link, and you know it's, that, right? It's like, it's just so close to conceptual art. Like it, you can sell a, a performance in, in conceptual art. Yeah, I mean, it's a URI though. It's the equivalent of like a an endnote in a bibliography like um and that's where maybe it's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. It's just like, but, but i i i think in that in those terms i'm comfortable with it that i could still make work in domain names that's interactive yeah. or generative and i don't have to just make videos yeah yeah no and and one of the things i want to try is selling haiku because they're text-based and then they can really be inside the token so Yeah, I've often. Yeah. I think you're right. Like I've often been very critical that it doesn't solve a problem. It's a it's a solution in search of a problem, but it does solve one very very particular problem, which is like how do how as a collector how do I ensure that people know that I I, I spent money on this basically. But that solves a particular economics problem for digital artists that I think is worth. Well, and, and there's also the other side. Like um, so, I made the contract to go with websites. Mm -hmm. uh, When actually transferring the domain name is already proof of the ownership. So, it, but the contract is there to explain what you should do with the website, how you should update yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's that. what I mean. Those, those, these are the terms yeah. of the agreement. But, and and you know, I, I could also embed that in the source code of the website, etc. But I was always like, let's just print it on paper because you could just store it easily. It's way easier, etc. But I always thought whatever digital contract. Is going to become the standard as soon as you can buy a house, mm -hmm. and you will accept digital proof. Mm -hmm. Then you can also sell art with it. So I, I don't know if you can. I think most people no, no, will right. still print the house contract of ownership, like your your mortgage. But these are like people ancient methods that, like, I know that the same thing is true in wills. There's a company here in Toronto, like a startup called Willful, and it's digital wills. But like, that's actually a new concept. Believe it or not, in like 2021, like that. Transfer of wealth still happens by paper primarily. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, especially in New York, there's all these old landlords that have all these Xeroxed contracts that they will cut off pieces and add pieces year over year. So, you, my my first lease on Mott Street was just like layers of. It looked like a a collage by a serial killer or something. It's like all these layers of years and years of the building. The building was a hundred years old, and they just kept adding stuff to the contract manually and Xeroxing it. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I think of like the of Germany and the invention of bureaucracy, but that essentially, or like the invention of accounting in Italy. Um, these, this is a moment where there's a new a new invention that is administrative, but has cultural major cultural impact, and yeah. um, we are alive to to see it, which is exciting. Um, I think, though, at the end of the day, artists will be artists, you know, and they'll make art. Um, I'm glad that they're getting compensated, right? Um, I think if well, any, and, and if it's any funny that the, the exist, term it won't persist. I, I, I think in graffiti you have this this term of toys and and uh, kings. Mm-hmm. So the idea of someone who's just doing little tags and is not really a full artist, and it always felt like when you just make files. You know, like at a lower level in the in the folder hierarchy of like oh but if you like you could start making prints but you don't own the printing factory and then if you own the printing factory and you can manipulate how the chemicals are used mm. then I think that's part of why people admire painters because they're so close to the material they're not they're not like someone is telling them oh this is the max resolution mm. it's like no no I I can manipulate every detail even though it's not yeah so it it's curious to see if if JPEGs will be the standard. But I do believe, like, um, the like Corey Archangel did a, a brilliant thing early in his career where he would give you all the source files make, that he used to make the work, um, like the folder, um, yeah. in addition to the work itself. And I always thought that was such a beautiful digital concept because it referenced the, what we were just talking about earlier, which is the idea that there's this there's this presumption that digital art is an immaculate conception, but actually there's a lot of real labor an effort that goes into making um, an algorithmic work that goes into making a 3d work that goes into making an animated gift. There's just, you know, yeah. quite, quite often as much and as a sculpture. It's also the, the, that window that we talked about, it makes me think Robert Rauschenberg made this white painting. And the idea was that every time the painting is shown, it's painted white again. Mm. So it's always fresh every exhibition, mm-hmm. but people get attached and then they're like, well, but, he painted this one. Mm-hmm. How can I paint over it? So nobody ever painted over it. And also, uh, Josh Klein made these three D printed sculptures, and the idea is every time it's shown, it's printed again because the technology will improve, mm. and you should destroy the old version. But of course, they're not going to do that. They're going to save all the versions and exhibit them together, or not even make the new ones. And oh, that's interesting. Th- there's something, you know. That's the other thing with contracts in art is like, uh, how do you enforce them? Because if if you, for example, if you're very adamant about resale rights, that might make you less attractive for buyers. They're like, oh, I don't want to buy that artist. They they sue the collectors. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder what other terms you can add, like a solo wit. You know, when you buy a solo wit, you're buying the instructions to make the work yourself. I do wonder whether like there's an evolution. Well, with solo wit, you have to work with his team. So yeah, that's true. You can't just do it yourself. You have to have experienced uh, muralists. Right. I have heard of, like, there's the piece that with the the lines, like just the pencil lines that I think you can execute yourself. Or I I had read about a collector that had been given permission, but Mm. because they installed it in their home, in their bathroom or something like that. Um, Yeah, I do think it's interesting if the collector has to finish it themselves. But I just bring it up because Sarah Ludi, you know, kind of published these terms for her NFTs where like, and she she did it in a way that I thought was interesting where... um, and this is another fellow digital artist where she actually included her gallery and the gallery workers in the contract. Um, and so they would receive percentage of residuals and we haven't 
we haven't talked about this at all, actually. Like one of the problems that gets solved potentially is this idea that artists profit from the secondary and tertiary market, like when their their work gets resold. But then art workers, like I've often been critical that um, within the museum and gallery infrastructure, there's so much volunteer labor. Like I did a piece about it a few years ago, but and it's primarily racialized and gendered. But that's kind of that kind of changes when you're creating work on your laptop by yourself and selling it directly. Well, yeah, I'm actually not 100% familiar with the terms of her agreement and how to enforce them because... Well, maybe she exhibited the work before in the gallery and then she wanted to acknowledge that. I see what you're saying. I just don't re- I don't really understand where gallery creates value anymore. Like, um, Oh, I do think... Through the exhibition, I guess. But yeah, yeah, but... I, networks of collectors. I was talking about it with another friend. Like, you could see NFT as a sort of Tumblr auction and you just auction your posts. Mm-hmm. But if you're an artist who makes both physical and digital works and you do a show and you say, well, there's a couple of works here on screens. You can buy those on NFT. I see. And a couple of works are physical and it all works together, but the gallery is involved. And and one thing I, you know, when I started, I was like, fuck the museums, fuck the galleries, I'll do my own thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I I, I don't even want to be at their party. Their party is stupid and whatever. Mm -hmm. But over the years, I've really enjoyed the collaboration and the conversations, and it really made the work better. There's suggestions on both sides, and like I suggested artists to the galleries that then they included. They suggested doing things with my work that I hadn't thought of. I mean, but those are the best yeah, types so of galleries. It's, it's, right? a, the galleries it's an are, interesting exchange. Wow. So yeah. I, I think this idea of the gallery is a leech. Uh, sometimes it's true. And, you know, there's lawsuits and there's artists not getting paid and uh, editions sold that were never told to the artists and et cetera. But there's also great collaborations and friendships. And I, I think... Uh, I agree. I mean, I, the type of gallery that, that I want to be... Um, just like alluding to the fact that eventually I, I, I do believe in the gallery as much as, as you do, but only if it's a support mechanism for the artists. Not that I don't want to make money as a gallerist at some point, but I do believe that the, like I'm more of like a, a guy who believes in the produ- like gallery as producer the same way in music. Like, you know, like there are these famous producers that helped great musicians do their best work. I believe the well, best. Well, you know, gallery. sometimes those producers make the music, and then the, the pop star is just the face. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. that exists. As and well. that's the same um, for galleries. Sometimes they find an artist, and then they just get a bunch of people to work for the artist, and uh, the artist is just the the cover of the book. But that's the good point, probably, that I would want to leave on here, which is like foundation or super rare or you know the the nifty one that you're mentioning. <laughs> They've got there's so many actually. There's like, I think there's like I was reading through a blog post. Oh like man, yeah. Every I think every so many days or every day, Nifty has a drop. Yeah. And yesterday the drop was like a third tier street artist. I don't know the name. Yeah. And he just posted these two files that looked like his intern made two animations of his paintings, and they each went. The edition was uh, nine hundred ninety nine dollars, and one sold four hundred copies. One three hundred whatever he okay. he earned. He earned close to three million in five minutes. Yeah, the bottom line is though these foundations eventually, like when the money dries up, they still have to support making great art. Like the art. The, no, the, they don't. They don't have to support anything. They just you just submit stuff. It doesn't cost them anything. No, I get that, but I think the ones that are going to win are the ones that are going to have the best artist making the best work. And well, the, here's okay. This is the most important point. <laughs> what is good art? And nobody fucking knows because it it. 
You could, but the you, same value. I, I grew up going to the made. museum, being like, "Oh, Robert Motherwell, that's a really good abstract expressionist. I really respect that." <laughs> but really, if it was hanging in a room next to an unknown artist at the time, could you tell the difference? And no, I know uh, that's. But that's my whole point, yeah. which is like all of the infrastructure that goes into me recognizing some of these artists on foundation versus not others. I'm attaching value to the heuristic availability heuristic, which is I've heard of this name. I've seen this name credibly in museums. I know that this name represents like brand value that is going to endure this hype. And therefore I'm like willing to believe in this thing. Um, well, but maybe it, one of the interesting points is that you can force music onto people, but they'll have a preference. And when you hear a hit, it's a hit and it, it it's, you can't fake it. Like, uh, you can't just create a Britney Spears out of thin air. Or, uh, what I'm trying to say, music was always democratically voted. So people are like, I'm into that or I'm not into that. Mm -hmm. And art was a, has always been undemocratic and f for that reason has been very mysterious to a lot of people. So yeah, but the, the, why yeah. is, is this room full of mist expensive? Regardless, though, exclusivity is like factored into you know galleries yeah. creating value for artists forever. Like you know, if, no, no, but, but maybe maybe no, the, stable, the point I was right? trying to make is you could look cynically and say like, oh, art is all fake and it's random and they I'm just choose that. the winners. But you can also sometimes you can hang twelve paintings in a room and most people be like. That's the one. Well, and no doubt, agree like, on it. and there's something powerful about it. Far more ugly paintings sell than good art. You know, like, <laughs> like I'm, a, mm. you know, I'll go out on a limb and just based. But on what is good art to you? Well, this is the thing. Like, I have taste, right? Like, and my taste doesn't match everyone else's taste. And but you don't think there are there are, um, outside of taste there are arguments such as what did someone change? Did this exist before? Is it derivative? Is it shocking? Is of course, it those, all those, all those it, things go into my, formally... my value equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that those things always end up resulting in immediate value, but I, I do have this belief that over time, and actually, I, I disregard this belief where social structures intervene. Like, obviously, there's a lot of sexism that's pre prevented great work from, from succeeding. But I have to believe, yeah. as an artist personally, that if I take everything I know about art history and everything that I've learned as an artist over 20 years. And I make every effort to include those, that chain of decision-making in my process that I can, yeah, to your point, like I can create something rare, beautiful, uh, like un, you know, undone, like something that's never been done before. Um, and it will have value. And yeah. even if it doesn't have value, to, like others, have value of, to myself, I feel like a lot of the net art pioneers and movement has been, so focused on innovation, not innovation and making things better, but like being the first at something. Yeah, you're right. That they forgot about visual pleasure and, and poetry. So that it's just like, okay, I copied the Documenta website and I made a copy of a, of a biennial in that sense. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's a very dry gesture and there's, there's, no, there's no flavor. Well, I mean, I, I like to think of all of the things in confluence. I don't think that one well, thing is I'm, I'm trying to think that... The, um, I think his name is Cornelis, the conceptual artist. He made this piece where it's just a bunch of horses in the gallery. Mm -hmm. So you have an empty gallery, and it looks like a stable, and the horses are lined up with their butts to the middle of the gallery, and you walk between the horses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, okay, whatever. Someone put horses in a gallery. Good for him. Well, he had access to the 
Yosef Boys yeah, put, put a wolf in a gallery. It was, you know, but yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're like whatever anyone could come up with that. I'll do bunnies in the gallery. I'll do mm-hmm. the bees in the gallery. Whatever. I I saw the horses piece and it was very compelling. That's maybe what I mean. Like a lot of net art pieces, you're like, okay, he was the first to do a torrent. He was the first to compile a JPEG. He was the first to do an MP3, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The horses, I was there and you you see all these horse paintings throughout history in your head because the horses are posing. Yeah. They're standing there, they're eating their hay, but they're all posing and you think of the history of it's life timeless. drawing and, and my yeah. experience of life drawing. And, and it's also kind of dangerous because you're standing by horses without any protection, which is a bad idea. Yeah. And so you're there and it's really something. Yeah. And I, 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 that's maybe the thing with NFT that will take a long time to create these things where you're like, this beautiful. is not just like, oh, I'm the first one to make a red NFT and I'm the first to make a blue NFT. And at some point... Th- that you you have something there, yeah. you feel something, and yeah. Yeah, I saw one that was the first 3D model just before I got on this um, this call. But yeah, I think yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. That kind of thing. It, yeah. it reminds me of the hype cycle, like when the Kinect came out, or any of these things that you know. It it, it reminded me a lot of when the Google came out with those uh, Dream uh, AI images. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Yeah, there's it, been so many. It, that was a rips. cycle of two three days where they came out with this uh, neural network that would recognize images and then use that yeah. to change the images and it became a feedback loop and created these really surreal dogs, strange things yeah. well in the beginning we didn't know so i saw these things and i'm like that's it this machine is way more creative than i am i've, I've never created anything like this and then after two days you're like oh it's a dog filter yeah, it just sees yeah. dogs and everything <laughs> so yeah and and that's the thing with technology that um well, yeah, it's well, similar to GAN, like, you know, uh, general adversarial networks, like a lot of that, that machine learning art, like I've seen now, like, and I, 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 I dread saying this, but even a friend, he, a few years, like last year, he created a really beautiful piece, piece. It was like a morphing landscape using GAN. But then, you know, like I, I've seen like 25 other versions of that piece, including Bitforms yeah. having just signed an artist that does that work. And like, they're like, oh, like GAN generates landscapes. It's a, it's actually more but of a that filter. Might be- than an artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be similar to Jackson Pollock, where mm. uh, many people can do it, but he did it. And uh, there, there was even there are examples of uh, a female artist that did it before him, but they were kind of small. Well, I think of even and John of course, John, John Raffman did the Nine Eyes stuff, where he was like, you know, using Google Street View for photography. But I remember at the time there were like ten other artists doing that work, but mm. he got recognized for it. Um, I think building well, maybe a because he brought it to it. the gallery. Mm? Maybe because he brought it to the gallery? No, I think it, th- this is a longer podcast episode. But, um, <laughs> and it's not Another about John. Controversial it's about topic. every artist. And maybe we can talk about, maybe someone will have a question about this. But like, um, how do you create value from narrative is such a fundamentally important um, topic. But I, do, you, do you think like, um, if you take it, our peers, a lot of people... We're from a generation that was started playing with technology, so a lot of people are like, oh, and the first to do digital paintings, mm-hmm. it's painting software, and the first to do things with stock images, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they weren't always the first; lo- they're just the first to get recognized for it. And if yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, so, I mean, I I definitely wasn't the first net artist, and I'm also not 
the most successful is you know no like it's been attributed I face filters have been attributed to me in writing like as the, I'm like the inventor of face filters but I'm definitely not the, the inventor no. of face filters right no but, and and now that that uh, AR filters are so commonplace but like you really had but to some rethink people, your some work. curators and writers want to attribute it to me and the fact that they want to I found also like very interesting um and every time they do, I'm like, well, you should look at these other people. Like, no, 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 we're going to say it's you. <laughs> it's like Jeremy, we decided. Jeremy, when, when are you going to accept that you're kind of good at something? <laughs> <laughs> Just like keep rejecting it. Not this time, yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, this has been you an should, interesting topic. You, should, you know what you should do? You should start a personal finance uh, application or a startup where you help people whatever money they get that it immediately disappears it's like you're not worthy of money it should, <laughs> this is it's called deflector with double r or something yeah this is and that's what charities yeah. do <laughs> yeah but uh this is a big big topic that we're probably going to revisit a few times this year but i'm glad we did this emergency yeah. episode. let's see how it goes let's see how it goes i mean i i want to experiment with it and maybe it i, I thought also that this is a bizarre world with the worse the art is, the better it does. So if you try to make good work, it will fail. Mm. And it the, yeah. Well, the first thing I'm going to try and do is remint the works I sold last year on yeah, the platform yeah. for the collectors that yeah. already bought them. Um, so stay and tuned. And then you have that. to buy a certificate for the carbon offset and plant trees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. thanks for for bringing up this topic. And to our listeners, uh, we apologize that we didn't get to one of your topics that was apparently yeah, not as exciting as this. Yeah, we have plenty of questions uh, <laughs> lined up, so next week we'll do a... a yeah. it, it's funny that this was kind of a new format where we answer people's questions and everybody's like, yes, Good Point is back. Yeah. As if we were gone. But but we, yeah. I think when we started the podcast, we had a lot of our own questions that we resolved together. And then we just were like, yeah, eh, we have nothing new to talk about. But. And, and the, the, <laughs> the funny thing about NFT is everybody, it seems in, in our art community, is more talking about it than doing something. Um, well, I don't know. Like, I just saw Rick Silva, yeah. a friend, post a work. And I was like, oh, cool. And it's like, you know, like, I think everyone's trying it out right now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and then I had, and there's the yeah. thing where also you've built up an exclusivity, and you're like, am I really just going to be in the pit with all the amateurs? And uh, well, there's the, here's the thing, like uh, like one bottom line thing is that when the supply outstrips demand, prices will fall. I mean, but what you'll have is like a, a cake. no, that's not true. You know, it's not like because people make more music. Music. No, 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 no. Cheaper. What I mean is that one percent of the artists will do very, very well. Yeah, yeah. By yeah, the old yeah. rules, and then there's still you're still gonna have strata, strata, right? Like, so there'll be like, yeah, yeah, why yeah. would I buy this weird, you know, gif of someone uh, eating French fries? No, I'm not interested. I've never heard of that person. Like, I could buy this. I want to be involved in. The well, maybe that's when the galleries become important. Well, galleries are gonna get involved in this, like, like yeah. we alluded to earlier. So it'll be interesting to see, what, you know, what Zwerner does or you know, Gogosian yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, figures out. Yeah. Christie's is already involved. Right. Sotheby's. Yeah. Um, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening. Thanks all. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.